Good day to you. Welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast. Thank you for listening. Look, this morning, man, it's yet again, it's another chilly, rainy, wet winter day. I can't work. Guess what? Here I am again, driving south to Tennessee, hoping to meet with somebody and talk about the kingdom. Friends, this is what our lives should be fueled by. Everyone's journey is different. Every place that each one of us are along the journey as far as our availability to meet with other people, time to study, time to pray, time to train our children. I realize everyone's circumstances are different, but but listen, the same truth remains. We must be found making room, making time to mature, to share the word of our testimony, to give and to receive the ongoing work of God in ourselves with one another. We've got to be found doing this. We have got to make room. Listen to what I'm saying. We must prioritize and make room. Listen, we make room for everything else, right? Most people make room for sports, fun activities, entertainment. We call that like necessary me time, downtime. But listen, I would just be I would just caution you to make sure that your time is submitted to the Lord in its entirety. Like, friends, we've got to make time. Our spiritual maturity will be dependent upon our time. And much more importantly, the kingdom of God advancing on the earth is dependent upon us. It is vitally dependent upon the people who are indwelled by the Spirit of God. As I always say on here, And I know it gets redundant, but this message has got to continue. The kingdom, the government of God, is upon mankind. It's upon God's people, the regenerated humanity, who have lost their lives into the Messiah. It is dependent upon us. We are the greater works reality now. Yeshua left for our good, to send His Holy Spirit to indwell men to be living temples on the earth, living examples, moving about on the natural earth, carrying the glory of God, the ark and tabernacle reality now housed in human form, God-men, Emmanuel. And friends, if we're not doing that, the glory of God will not fill the earth. It is God's pattern to come through the temple. And we have been told clearly, we in fact now are the the temple, the tabernacle, the abode of Yahweh. It is up to us. Friend, it's up to you to perpetuate the kingdom on the earth. You are not a mere bystander and God just magically does what he wills. It is through us. It's through us. Now, here's the reality this morning as I'm thinking through some things. I'm heading out late today to hopefully go meet with somebody 
to talk about what in the world the Lord's saying. What is the Spirit saying in this hour? Hey, does anybody want to talk about that? I'm telling you, I'm almost to that point in my life. My present plan right now, although subject to change, is to go to a coffee shop, get out my Bible and my journal, and turn on my spiritual perception. Looking about, God, is there anyone here that is for the intersection of my life today? And I'm telling you, I am almost to the point legitimately, like for real, of just standing up in the middle of the coffee shop and saying, is anyone here in Messiah? And if not, does anybody want to be? Because you know what? That's why I exist. That's why I'm sitting here right now. If anybody wants to talk about Messiah, you're welcome at my table. I'm telling you, I'm almost there. I am so close to doing that. You know what? I might do that today. (laughs) And I might not. I might be too timid. But in the name of Yeshua Messiah, may I not shrink back in timidity. May we not just sit back and wait for the kingdom to come. I want to usher it in. What I want to talk about this morning, as I was getting ready to head out, we homeschool our son, we meaning my wife, <laughs> and, and when I was heading out and telling them goodbye, um, they were, my son was reading the Bible. It's part of what we do. It's, um, they were doing some Hebrew teaching, and then he was reading um, some of the Bible, and he was reading in Mark 7. He was, talk, he was reading the story, the account of the Syrophoenician woman. And so as I'm getting ready, of course, I'm listening to what he's saying. And I was, just, I was just reminded of what I taught on this last year. Now, I'm not going to go to the levels that I went to um, many months ago within this account. But what I want to do is just kind of topically glance at this situation that we're told about this woman. And just the weird exchange, the very interesting exchange that she had with Yeshua Messiah. And, and what, I, what I do remember clearly that I shared in the teaching that I did that was, again, much more thorough than what we're going to talk about right now, was just her recognizing her place. Because, y'all, Yeshua the rabbi was so hard on her. He was so offensive to her. We do realize he called her a dog, right? In essence, he called her a dog. Now, I, I remember, and now here I am, like I remember what I taught on last time that, that is, it bears repeating. How I had found in my studies, I had found messages from certain preachers saying that it was desirable that Jesus called her a dog because if you translate it a certain way, it meant he was talking about puppies. And that puppies, of course are very good, and like people love puppies, and so he wasn't trying to hurt her feelings. He wasn't trying to be offensive. He was actually saying it was a good thing. Now, listen, that's just ridiculous. Can we just not speak bluntly and call things as they are? That's foolish thinking. Yeshua, he was clearly stating, look, lady, I came here for a purpose, and like, You're not within that present moment purpose. But what does she do? She reminds him of something. She didn't argue with him. She didn't debate with him. She didn't stretch out her 
her arms and point her finger and say, don't you call me a dog? You know what she basically did? Hey, teacher, you know what? You're right. You're right. I don't deserve anything from you. I don't deserve anything. My daughter is demon-possessed. I have no hope. She has no hope apart from you. You're right. I'm nothing. I'm undeserving. I'm lowly. We know the exchange. She says, listen, we know that there are leftovers under the table. There's still enough. And I, man, I'm telling you, maybe I need to go back and just listen to what I recorded because this is stirring in me yet again. I was saying how, what if she had experienced Messiah multiplying the food for the multitudes? What if she had experienced that and she knew that the principle of Messiah was when he does a supernatural work, there is enough left over for others on the outside. Yes, Messiah does a work. He does a miracle. He does it for his disciples. He does it for his followers. He does it for the multitudes that are captivated with his teaching, the signs and the wonders. He takes care of those who are there in his immediate vicinity, even if by the thousands. But you know what? When everything's said and done, guess what? There's still leftovers for people like me. And y'all listen to this principle, right? Because like as we become mature men of the things of the Spirit now, when we become mature men, we had better always remember this principle. As we hear the word of the Lord, as we become men who move in the prophetic or who, who receive the oracles of God through study, through prayer, through intercession, through fasting, through self-denial, we have got to continue to come back to this place that, number one, first and foremost, for the rest of our days, we ourselves are undeserving ones. We are undeserving. Every single thing that is good in me and defines me as a spiritually maturing son is a gift from Messiah. I'm on the outside. I'm a grafted in one. I'm not supposed to be in the people of God. I'm not supposed to be in the nation of Yahweh's people. I am an outsider. I am a dog in myself. But yet Messiah's redemption work to bring back the house of Israel, to bring back God's chosen nation that he himself birthed, through Abraham, there was enough for me. There was enough for you. There's enough crumbs under the table for those on the outside of the nation of God to come in and be his people. Friends, we have got to forever remember everything extended to us is a dog and crumbs reality. Yes, I'm a priest. I believe in the priesthood of believers wholeheartedly. I am all the promises of God. I'm a son. I, I, have, I have received an inheritance from Yahweh God. I am his son through the bloodline of Yeshua Messiah and the heart exchange reality that moved me from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of light and therefore brought me into the house of God, the family of Yahweh. But I am forever undeserving.
I'm undeserving. I do not deserve to be seated at the master's table. I don't. And her response, and I know I've taught on this before, but her response of humility, her response in humility and lowliness of saying, you know what, I have no defense. I will not in any way defend myself and say, who do you think you are, teacher? Telling me I'm a dog. I'm out of here. She knew her place. I'm lowly. I'm undeserving. I'm in no position to debate you, teacher. Your saying is true. But, listen, man, this has got to be a pattern for our life. Yes, Lord, amen. But, remember, there's enough for me. Remember, there's enough for me. Number one, I will not debate or argue the point that I am, in fact, an undeserved one. I deserve no good thing from your hand. But remember me. Remember your covenant. Remember your action on my behalf too. Oh, teacher. We have been invited in. And it is absolutely nothing according to our own doing. And friends, I'm telling you, I have met so many people even recently, who are so, man, I'm telling you, they have badges on, gold-plated, that say, like, I would say in the Spirit, say, priest, son, look at me. Do you, do you know who I am? I'm telling you, this is a dangerous place to be, friend, if that identity is not equally paired with humility under the table, if you will, saying, oh, Messiah, remember me. Remember your covenant. Remember your promise, oh, Yahweh, to invite even ones like me to your table to eat. Please remember me. I don't deserve to be here. And friends, this is what I'm always saying. This is why I'm always saying the mark of a transformed man, the mark of a regenerated man, the mark of one who is literally in Messiah and is born of God, keeps his commands and is absolutely fueled by humility. The lowly way of Messiah. Willingly desiring to be laid low so that God himself can exalt him. I will take the lowest seat. I will be no one in the here and now to be rightly exalted by my creator. Friends, we have got to get this principle. What was the response of Messiah to her? Hey, be it unto you. She confessed, you know what, you're right. I'm a dog, Rabbi. I am nothing. But listen, because of your work, because of your miraculous power, there's enough even for me. And he said to her, because of your answer, because of what you're saying, go home. Your daughter has been delivered. The demon's already gone. 
Again, past tense. She confesses an agreement with what Messiah pronounced, which is, you know what? You're not worthy. She said, you know what, Messiah? You're right. You are absolutely right. I am absolutely, completely, unequivocally, undeserving. Yes and amen. I will not argue that in any way. You are right. But remember me. Please remember me. And he says, go home. Your daughter is free. She's already free. Instantaneously become already done. This is an amazing principle, y'all. We have got to get this. We've got to get this. We have got to read these spiritual accounts, these scriptural accounts of spiritual, supernatural, uh, it's a supernatural event, okay, within natural circumstances. And this why this is why I get so worked up when people just continually talk about this weird division from natural and spiritual. Our lives are to be completely intertwined, inseparable, spiritual, natural. Just like this, with people alongside other human beings, supernatural events, because we are to be spiritual men, walking as Messiah did. In real-life circumstances with people in exactly the same predicaments as what Yeshua Messiah encountered when he was in a natural man body. We should be doing the same and greater. Are we doing that? Are you doing that, friend? Are you, number one, walking as a priest in your home, in your business, in your school, in your home, with your children, in your fellowship at your church, in your home gatherings, in whatever it is you do, are you being a priest set apart distinct unto the purposes of God? And also, number two, are you equally humble, lowly, abased? Is your life defined, I mean defined now, by self-denial, the pattern of the Messiah, the suffering servant? Is your life looking like Messiah's life? No one takes my life, brother. I've already laid it down. And I'm going to lay it down tonight, and I'm going to lay it down tomorrow, because you know what? I am a dog. But, but, Messiah remembered me. And there's enough in him for even me. And you know what? This is why the world is not coming to Messiah. And I'm going to bring this to a close. Because they have been told by actions and even by words that Christian people are better than them, more deserving than them. You're evil. You're vile. You don't know God, a.k.a. you don't go to church. I do I'm better than you. I know God, you know. And we're driving people away. 
We're driving people away because we've lost the Syrophoenician woman perspective that is continually operating in our life to remind ourselves and clearly make it known to every other person that we meet that, hey, guess what? Apart from the Messiah, I'm a lowly dog who deserves no good thing. I deserve nothing, friend. I deserve nothing, and I have earned nothing that I now possess. Status, ability, giftings, positions, functions. I deserve nothing. It is all a gift that has been given to me, come out of the literal hand of Messiah to my mouth. He feeds me good things. I am entirely undeserving and dependent upon the master's hand. I'm telling you, I'm convinced if the church at large started, they can't just do it. You can't just do it. It has to be who you are. You can't just be humble. You can't just act humble. You can't just show the world humility. You have to have a broken and contrite heart where the function and the outflow of your life is humility because that's the posture of your heart. It's got to be an innermost reality first, friends. The church is trying to do good works just like the Pharisees. You're trying to carry out your own good works, your own laws, your own ideas, your own doctrines, and it's hollow, it's empty, it's vain, and it has no power because it's coming from ourselves. It is void of power, just like Yeshua said when he confronted all of the leaders of the age. said, look, you look awesome, you're keeping the laws, and guess what? You've even made up your own. Good job, right? But guess what? The ones you've made up are overriding the ones that were already instated, and you're faking everything you're doing. You are whitewashed tombs, and your hearts are like stone. And you're not doing the works of God. And you cannot do the works of God because the heart exchange reality in Ezekiel is not your life. You're operating and functioning in the powers of mere humanity. And you're trying to overcome the world through the strength of men. And guess what? The church has not changed. She's not changed. She's still, I'm looking at this church up on the hill. It's so nice. It's so pretty telling you what to do on their sign. Hey, do this. Do this. It's hollow. It's empty. There's no life within it. We're looking at the world and calling her dogs, but we have forgotten that we are no different than her apart from that supernatural work and gifts of grace and kindness and compassion and and long-suffering of the Messiah, the suffering servant, the sympathizer, Yahweh God eternal who continues to extend himself to mankind in immeasurable kindness. The church, listen friend, the church, she's forgotten who she is. She's forgotten who she is. Not who she used to be, she's forgotten who she is. We are ones in need of constantly remembering we are dependent absolutely upon the Messiah. This is who we are, but remember me, Messiah. 
Remember why you came. Remember your supernatural work that purchased even me. Even me. And that doesn't threaten my, my priesthood reality. That doesn't threaten that. Most conversations I have with people, those things cannot be synonymous. It's very mysterious to me. We think that if we're lowly and humble and openly abase ourselves to the brothers, well, they're, they're not going to know my place. They're not going to know who I am. Well, my goal is not to impress you, friend. My goal is not to look like I'm someone. My goal is to take the lowest seat in the corner of the room and sit down because I know my place, and if the master wants to exalt me, he will do so. I am his subject, period. I think it would do us good to live accordingly. So let's be like that Syrophoenician woman. Let's just be willing to say, you know what, Messiah? Hey, guess what? You're right. You're right. I've got no rebuttal. I've got no response other than yes and amen. But Lord, please remember me. Remember there's enough for me. This must be our message. I think this could really... This could really affect the world around us if we were truly humble and willing to embrace our condition and, and, and thereby glorify and honor and rightly revere and exalt the awesome work of Yahweh in a man. He is our hope. We have hope now, but it's in Him and in His awesome work. Amen.